Dream Diary. You're awake, then you're standing. Then the last thing that you dreamed will unfold its field of memory. What you touch will come to life. A whole room sprung in the backwards words of people untalking to you, walking reverse with such confidence until you reach another room. There stands this person who is also a talisman. In the dream, it doesn't matter when they loved you. In the dream, when you talk, the butterflies are orange and then blue, and together you lead the rabble to the square where you touch this person and then leave them. And on cue, a flock of pigeons will soon want nothing but to return to you. And on cue, the cedars become green and then stone, this person unmaking love from you and placing the pieces elsewhere again on earth. Until before that. Until the somewhere else before you agree to move. Then you are language too. Backwards words unstuck to the dream as the dream began to happen. And the ghosts inside the many rooms rustle nude inside the blue water. And the ghosts inside the many rooms illuminate the many walls. I'm working on being alone today. It's the new year. I start with drunk dreams and then texts to Diana about carrying our homes with us. I think about who I want to write letters to. Joe, Catherine, Mary. It comforts me to write letters. They remind me that there is someone listening on the other end. Likewise, I have received writing that felt made for me. People who are dead want to talk to me. I'm writing. I invite you to my life. Michelle says I have three eyes. A diary eye, a lyric eye, and an eye masquerading as a you. Michelle says the diary eye is not the strongest eye, the politics of which distracts me for weeks until I come to realize that I want to know who I've been talking to. In all instances, I am talking to myself. At least, I mean to. Frank O'Hara's Morning is the first poem I consciously memorized. I am writing it in Wei Ming's letter, and I am rereading it this morning very slowly. Seeing the text, I realized that I have memorized some parts incorrectly. At first, I was not reading it. I was reciting it from that place where rhythms and bodies begin to stay with each other. Reciting quickly because I needed to catch the rhythm as it happened to me, so that I would not lose the music of the poem, and therefore the poem. Right now, lo losing the poem as it exists may not be the worst thing. If I really knew it, I could do it at any speed. I tell my therapist that my anxiety made solitude unbearable, and that I was easing back into being alone by writing letters, mailing things. Over the course of one night, the objects in my apartment came alive. They are of or for the people I am writing to. Pictures I took of them. Poems that are inspired by their interests, with joy.
when I'm writing. I'm never alone. I say to someone who says that that is probably right. That is what we need right now. Agnes Martin says to me that I am the source of my own response. The artist is not responsible for the onlooker. It can't be helped that I have no control of my family. They may leave me, I accept that. Before tarot, I tell Diana that the worst thing about being trans isn't hating my body. It's not having many feelings about it at all. You can't feel what you've never been interested in. I have never felt well in my body. It's not what I've hated. It's what I haven't known to miss at all. When I'm potting the plants, I think about this little life in my apartment. I have not been home to help it grow. When the sun is treading lightly over winter months, it is so nice to talk to Robin over the phone. It is so nice to nail my poster back up, to put new lights along the wall. There are more ways I can be here. There are things I have not done. Definitions are not static. They are where we begin. For what? By whom? Beginning is not an origin. It is the arbitrary place from which we start one life, and that becomes this. Kate has an idea to start a podcast series where she interviews other Kates. In high school, a girl who sent me a heart-shaped necklace also sent me a typewritten note and a copy of An Abundance of Catherines. I try not to count the number of Kates, Catherines, Caitlins in my life for reasons that overlap with why Kate is starting her podcast. This is a note to ask Kate why she was starting her podcast. No one has my name or knows how to pronounce it. I believed this until the first week of college, when I was telling someone exactly this, on low steps, and a man started calling for me because I had won a raffle. Another Yan Yi appeared several feet above me, and I had to change how I saw myself distinctly. I was never unique, I was just made to feel that way. We didn't have cable. We had a satellite dish that absorbed wavelengths. Despite being labeled aliens, this is the closest we would get to extraterrestrial. The plane rides count, too, 13 hours at a time, which is also the time difference to China. All we did as aliens, we did because at some point it is easier to be lonely than to continue working. Opportunity did not do work for us. To be a foreigner was to be a guest in all houses, to not know manners, to not have a past. Every day was a day when we started over. Every day we were so rootless, we had to make the same friends over and over again. They asked for Cheerios a week after my fifth birthday, which was also my last birthday party. I don't remember what we usually had for breakfast, but it was not that. I wanted Cheerios because it was the most delicious snack I had ever had, and I never asked for things from the store.
They were expensive. They weren't off-brands. We didn't have bags, so I used cellophane and tape to meticulously wrap a handful of Cheerios into a bag-like structure. Then I walked across the hall to June's apartment. June was one of my first best friends, or at least that was what I told myself. I'm not sure if she remembers who I am, but I remember being embarrassed more than once at her house. I knocked on June's door and held the bag of Cheerios in front of my face and said, thank you for coming to my party. I don't remember what she said. When I went home, my face was hot with embarrassment. Had she been confused? Did it dawn on me as I saw her face, whatever it had been, that it was just weird to give people cereal as party favors? Cereal that I had only knew about because once I had had it at June's house. Uh, so that's what had happened. I didn't know how to have a party. I didn't know what I could have as party favors, and that it was not okay to lick the sugar off the plate when I was finished with my donut. Thinking back, perhaps I don't have birthday parties because of the way I was made to feel poor, but I had nothing to give. Doreen and Legion are generous. They want to know about me. We spend most of the afternoon talking about the things I've been thinking and the life that I live. In fact, I like it. It seems so selfish to want to be known. We go through my baby photos. In this photo, I am eating, and Doreen says that my house looks like her house, that she too took many photos like this. Small hands each holding a chopstick, the rice bowl in between. What I also mean to say is that I recognize the focus, the impulse to know someone else before you reveal yourself, the impulse to know someone else because you have never been asked to reveal yourself, the impulse to know someone else because otherwise you do not know yourself. The impulse to know someone else because you are too self-conscious of your whole self, the one that fills up too many rooms, so much space. To hide how much space you need, to hide what you need. The other kids made fun of our house, Doreen says of her American friends. I screw my face with incredulity, but I completely understand. Kate calls it a camaraderie, a kinship with the other Kates. Specifically, no derivatives. But the moment when you poke up your head at the same sound, the knowledge that a name is what you're given and completely outside of who you are. Kate wants to discover the other Kates. She wants to discover who they each are. Here's what it's like if it's hard to put yourself first. You genuinely feel happiness when someone else's needs are fulfilled. At least, this is what you know as happiness. The relief of not being seen, of having someone preoccupied with themselves. Well, that's not exactly right. There is relief in seeing another person being happy. Being happy makes it possible for that other person to love someone. In my case, I want another person to be able to love me. There are places I can't go, like outside my body. 
Agnes Martin tells me that I need not fear being alone. To be alone is to face not one fear, but multiple fears, and to know them enough to differentiate them. When I am alone in the worst way, I am trapped with myself. Something in me doesn't want to live. No, something in me doesn't want me to continue. It must not be life, what I've been doing. It can't be life, to not want to live.